it indicated to me that you have an intimate <laughs> awareness of the condition of the YouTube version <laughs> of Mother May I Sleep With Danger. Hello, welcome to Guides to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we did a movie swap. Mm -hmm. We each picked a movie that we would like the other person to see. And we're going to discuss those with each other. Yeah, we've done this before. I think yes. I think that maybe... We did it on Patreon. Yes. Uh, I made Kristen watch Gremlins. And I made William watch I Know What You Did Last Summer. And we are going to continue the trend. I've given Kristen another one-word title movie. Mm -hmm. And Kristen's given me another movie that has a bunch of words that I have to fit in the cover art. Oh, that's true. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's not my fault that they make such good movies with so many words. That's right. <laughs> All the good movies get all the words. Yeah. Um, what do you want to like do first? Some guys want... get all the luck. I know. Do you want to talk about Pontypool first, or do you want to talk about Mother May I Sleep with Danger first? I will mm. defer to you. Man, I'm I'm curious about your thoughts on Mother May I Sleep and with I'm Danger. And I'm very curious about your thoughts about Pontypool. We have, we have, I think, pretty deliberately not spoken. No. Not even for a moment. No, about not at all. What we think. I, I haven't asked Kristen. I asked if she watched it, just yep. to make sure that we were set. That's right. But I have no indication if Kristen liked it, hated it, was puzzled, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you have no idea whether or not I loved Mother May I Sleep With Danger or whether I found it hard to pay attention to. I mean, <laughs> knowing the movie, I can assume. <laughs> What's your you assumption? Were... This is a fun game. Yeah. What, what do you assume? No, I think you didn't is? like it. I think you didn't like it. Okay. Yeah. What do you think my reaction was to Pontypool? I think you liked part of it. Okay. Okay. Am I right? Um, that I did not like. Yes. Mother May I Sleep With Danger? Yes. <sighs> I think if you weigh it out, mm -hmm. I think if you weigh it out, I fall into the I didn't like it. Okay. I think you're right. I also think that it is um, a movie that is so exactly what I expected. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> not a lot of surprises. That it, I almost felt nothing. <laughs> you know? Like, I... I I think I felt numb most of the time because were you surprised to see Lachlan Monroe? Yes, I was. See, you mm -hmm. felt a little something. I think we're going to talk about Mother May I Sleep with Danger first. It sounds like it. it yes. Sounds like we're already doing it. Yes, Mother May I Sleep with Danger is a 1996. Mm -hmm. um, most people think of it as a Lifetime original movie starring Tori Spelling. Tori Spelling. Uh, where she has a uh, an evil boyfriend who is a murderer. He's an abusive boyfriend. Uh, he's trying to control her life, and and perhaps maybe he'll end up killing her. Right. Um, it's not a Lifetime original movie. No. This was originally a book, and then it was adapted as a television movie, but on NBC, later picked up and, and widely broadcast, commonly on Lifetime, which gave it that impression to everybody mm -hmm. out there in the world. It gave it new life. It gave it new life. Um, I'm going to read you the synopsis, the only synopsis that exists on um, IMDb. Yeah, this is an obscure one. It's more obscure than I thought it was, actually, because in our home, I felt like Mother May Sleep with Danger loomed large. Right. Because I watched it anytime it came up on TV. Mom also like kind of dabbled in it and was delighted by the name. She thought it was very funny. And so I kind of thought everybody knew Mother May I Sleep with Danger. Sure. But it's hard to track down. Here's the weird thing. The name to me is, is one of the worst parts. <laughs> but anyway, the synopsis from IMDb, Laurel has the boyfriend of her dreams, Kevin. 
He can and will do anything for her. He is totally devoted to her, but the downside is that he never leaves her alone. When she tries to get some distance, he responds with aggression. It finally dawns on Laurel that he is not good for her. Laurel's mother, Jessica, has already started to suspect that something is wrong with his background. Mm-hmm. Um, mother, may I sleep with danger? The name. Kristen, I know. The name. The I know. name of this movie. It is puzzling. The mother plays a big role in the movie. So I wonder if that had anything to do with right. like wanting to shoehorn the mention of a mother because it's kind of like a mom revenge story. Yes. The it, mom is really trying to get Tori out of this situation. Kind of. It's like it's like uh I, I think she really becomes more she it's like the B plot is that, you know, Tori Spalling's in this horrible relationship and her mom's on to him. But it doesn't seem like the mom is the focal point. It seems like Tori Spelling is the focal point. Tori Spelling is definitely the focal point. But the mom is, I would say, this you know third biggest character behind Tori and the boyfriend. It's true. So I, I did some research after watching the movie um, into some of the background of it. And uh, Thrillist, Thrillist.com had an article, an mm. oral history of Mother May I Sleep With Danger, where Ooh. they sort of dive into where it came from everything and everything. So like I said, based on a book... And uh, uh, whoever originally picked it up for production, whatever they they bought it mostly because of the name. Mm-hmm. But the 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 screenwriter had this to say: the only instruction I got from the executives was to make sure that the first hour ended with the mother saying, "He's a killer, and he's got my daughter." <laughs> I said, "Okay, who's uh, she supposed to be saying this to?" They said, "We don't care." That's your problem. Just make sure that that hour ends with her saying that line. Do you remember who she says it to? Is it to the cops? She ends up saying it over the phone to a police officer. Yeah. But some of the idea here, and they get into this in the the behind the scenes a little bit as well, that at that time, TV movies are this sort of like soap opera, dramatic TV movie. A lot of it was about... Um, uh, parents going through something. Yes. So like, you know, you could call this my daughter is dating a serial killer. It's right. really about the mother's perspective on this and she's right. Mm-hmm. But so one of the things that made Mother May I Sleep With Danger arguably... Um, made it pop. Pop is that they did try to get more on the level of what's it like to be Tori Spelling in this situation to see yeah. her go through that. And the mother's there all the way trying to investigate whatever, but it's... We're really in the shoes of Tori Spelling. Right. Um, Now, so back to the title. Mm -hmm. Mother, may I sleep with danger? Right. Not a question that makes sense to ask. No. And she never asks it, by the way. She never asks it. She does not get her mother's permission to be dating this boy. Absolutely not. And I guess it's a play on, you know, mother, may I? Yeah, I guess. Right. Which is just sort of a a phrase or a a game. (laughs) Do you play that game? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Yeah, because it's mother, may I? Yes, you may. Right. It's like I don't a, know. a permission-based thing. Mm-hmm. Mother, may I sleep with danger? Right. Is so over the top, <laughs> it's horrible. Yes. Um, I think that's why it captivated our mother so. Right. Uh, Tori Spelling had this to say. Um, At that time, I was lucky enough to be getting offered a lot of TV movies. I remember coming home. I had a stack of movie scripts to read. It was late. I was tired. So I was kind of rifling through them. I came upon Mother May I Sleep With Danger, and I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Please let this be good, because based on that title alone, I have to do this movie. I think this is a producer's response. It was sort of the Sharknado of its day. The title really did all the heavy lifting. Back to Tori Spelling. The title was so bad it was good. I thought probably the title of this movie will haunt me for the rest of my career, and it has. 
Uh, yeah, but I would say in a good way. I, yeah. Do you believe that she thought that it was so bad that it's good? Or did um, they know at the time that it was terrible? Because it is. Maybe. I mean, I yeah. Do I you think, think it's terrible? Yeah. Of course I do. Mother, may I sleep with danger? Do you, what does it mean? We got to ask about your background. What what What's up with you in this movie? Why'd you make me watch this? I don't know. I was trying to think of a movie that'd be fun to talk about okay. that I knew you hadn't seen. And so many, I couldn't think of like a horror movie, like a Pontypool. That's a good movie that I've seen that you haven't. I was looking through my letterboxed and nothing was really fitting. Yeah. And I was like, well, at least there's like kind of like a killer angle in Mother May Sleep with Danger. And it'd be kind of fun to make Will watch that and talk about it and see his thoughts on it. So that's really why. What I, I had next... TV movies on the brain. I It was either this or there's a TV movie starring appropriately also from 90210, Shannon Doherty called Friends Forever that I also love. But I decided to go with Mother May Sleep with Danger. And also, both of these are only available on YouTube. Yeah, these... Uh, uh, <laughs> you've you've I, seen I this a good that, amount. Yeah, I saw it a lot when I was younger on TV. It would just be playing and I would watch it. And then I sought it out and watched it maybe a year or two ago. I And I actually have my notes from then. Okay, it was August 26th, 2019. Why were you taking notes? In case I did something with it. Kristen. I know. Can I just say something to our listeners out there? Yeah. I think it's weird to me that you're so familiar with this movie because I, listen, to give you a peek into my life, everybody, there are times where Allie and I are sitting on the couch after a long, hard day of work mm-hmm. and we're trying to think of something to watch on TV, maybe a good movie, or there's always a list of things that I have to watch. Right. I've got a lot of movies that I'm either supposed to watch, I told people I'd take a look at, or we're doing for the show or something like that. So I said, I have to watch a Lifetime original movie. And Which ended like, up being wrong. Right. Yeah, ahead. I was, thank you. <laughs> You're right. I was a fool, <laughs> but I was so young. <laughs> so young back then. Um, and she was like, oh, let's do let's do that one. So the only, only place I could find it was on YouTube. And it's it's so grainy and horrible and like it's just like it looks like it's like glitched out from like bad uploads and bad copies and stuff Mm -hmm. so we're watching it for a few minutes and then the sound just cuts out stops playing you can still see it but you can't hear it and so i was like all right well i can't find it anywhere else so that's that and i texted Kristen listeners to say maybe you're gonna have to give me a different movie to watch because it's unwatchable on youtube the sound cuts out Kristen responded within minutes and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the sound cuts out for a little while, but then don't worry. It kicks back on about 15 minutes in. And then I think it drops out maybe a little bit later on as well, but you can get through it. It's still watchable. Mm -hmm. So basically told me, not only did this indicate to me, by the way. Hang in there, champ. It indicated to me that you have an intimate (laughs) awareness of the condition of the YouTube version <laughs> of Mother May I Sleep With Danger, that at the drop of a hat, you could have been doing anything in your house. You picked up your phone I and you were like, no, 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 I know. it. Scrub through the YouTube video and I know the sound comes back in. You'll be fine. But it also told me, like, I can't watch this with Allie now. Like, it's like some, like, grimy, grubbly, like, the, the you know, like, all, that bad, I'll roll it? around in the dirt for this show. But, like, I don't feel like making Allie have to also be like, Oh, the sounds out. What? I don't know what I'm looking at. I couldn't make out people's faces. What? Yeah. I recently saw um, there was like a, a a science lab put out a thing where it was like we showed people videos 
and then scan their brain waves and tried to recompile the video from their brain scans. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how well they did it. That's cool. But it's like, you know, it'll like the shape of a person with no facial features. Right. That's what watching Mother May I Sleep with Danger on YouTube is like. I don't remember it being that bad. It looked maybe, horrible. Maybe because I've seen it so many times, I was able to kind of superimpose what I know their faces looked like yeah, onto the screen. And your sick mind, it's in 4K. <laughs> <laughs> like you see it. I remember it looking great. You've got it with no, like remember, Dolby remember, surround sound in your head. I remember it looking like a little crappy, but I didn't think it was that bad. It looked bad. To be fair, I was all also watching it full screened on a I don't know like forty inch television three inches from my face. Oh, that so, I mean that could have could have something to done a little it. something I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so you you like this? Do you genuinely like this movie? I genuinely like watching it. Um, it, it's a cheesy movie. It's extremely yeah. cheesy, but I find it extremely enjoyable. Uh-huh. But I hadn't watched, I mean, I watched it in 2019, apparently, and I hadn't seen it since I watched it when we were like living together at home. Yeah. But it, it, you know, loomed large. I was very aware of it being out there. And is it common for you to watch a movie and just sit and take notes on it? <laughs> I have to imagine that I thought maybe I would do a bonus episode about this or something. Okay. I have to imagine because no, it is not common. And you remembered that you took notes on it? I came across them, yes, because it was in my my Google Keep. I was looking for something else and I've seen that I had my mother mother may sleep with danger little note thing. And I was like, oh, that's right. I have that there. Okay. And so, yeah. Okay. I guess I also suggest this because I knew I'd have something to bring to the table. That makes sense. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it recently-ish, so I could kind of talk about it. Um, okay, I wrote something down in my notes on scene that I was just thinking to myself. So I'd like to pause it to you and see what you think. I wrote, is this a vengeance tale for moms? Like, who is this written for? Action movies are for guys who want to imagine they're like John McClane, and this is for moms? Uh, maybe. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's that's kind of interesting. I think the idea is, and it's... It is it is a, a wonderful idea, the notion that somebody that you love can be getting themselves in danger, but you have caught it. Mm-hmm. Even if you're like, you know, thankfully, like she's in the nick of time to like yeah. save her daughter. So that is in some ways like the best possible outcome. They they defeat a bad guy at the end of this. It is a, right. a good versus evil. And I caught it. I saw that. So mm-hmm. it is sort of like the mother is like the hero. Yeah. Um, my mother, the hero, much in contrast to my father, the hero, starring Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> okay. That's that movie where he pretends that he's his daughter's boyfriend. What? In France. We've what? talked about it on this show before. I'm positive. Oh. I can't remember why that's the case. Let me find out. Have, like, and I think it's Catherine brain. Heigl, my father, the hero. Okay. I'm going to read us the thing. Um, Okay, where's where's IMDb? But yes, I'm correct that it is Catherine Heigl and Gerard Depardieu. And the plot of this movie is that a teenage girl on vacation in the Bahamas with her divorced father tries to impress a potential boyfriend by saying that her father is actually her lover. Ugh, Ew. lover. I know, that's even worse than I thought. No thanks. So my, I'll take my mother the hero in Mother May I Sleep with Danger all day. Skip. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, I've never seen that, by the way, that movie. No thanks. Okay. <laughs> um, one of the things that struck me about Mother May I Sleep With Danger, so 1996, the year of Scream. Mm-hmm. And the villain in this is a Billy, mm-hmm. who is uh, 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 very intense. He's too much. Yeah. He's hiding in plain sight. <laughs> yeah. There is an opening kill. There's yes. a there's a cold open where we see Billy killing his 
uh, earlier girlfriend who he believed was cheating on him. And so murder was the only appropriate way to deal with that situation. Um, what struck me, Kristen, mm-hmm. was first of all, I couldn't really see how he killed her. He bludgeoned her with something. I thought maybe it was a pizza paddle, pizza peel. Right. Okay. It was right? No, no, no. It's a cutting board. And I have a note about this as well. You do? Yes, I do. The the Is your note about the editing? No. I wrote, he loves a good flat surface as a weapon. Kills girlfriend with cutting board. Kills Kevin Shane with toilet tank cover. That's right. Yep. He kills Lachlan so he likes a, a nice a flat, tank. broad weapon. He's, he's a bludgeoner. Mm-hmm. So uh, the intro kill, though. It's like a, a nice, cheery 90s scene. Mm-hmm. She's like doing stuff in the kitchen and there's like 90s kind of like Natalie and Brulia playing or something. Nice. It's just kind of like light and bubbly. Like, I don't know what it literally is. And then he comes in and he's pissed and the music doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And then he picks up the murder weapon and hits her with it. And the music doesn't change as he kills her. And even while he's scooping up like he like knocked over like a plate or something and he's trying to clean up the crime scene and he's rolling out a tarp to put her body in the trunk and the music is still going like do 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 could they have been the going sky f- was warm and it went, I went I was doing and the thing to get could they have been going for a uh, an American psycho Huey Lewis kind of vibe no a bit of a it's good to be square homage. No. They, they, they went with I don't I don't really know what we're doing the music should get scary when someone bludgeons someone. Yeah, with that's weird. Unless the point is to keep it cheery, like you said. Right. But I didn't feel that was the point. <laughs> I, <bet it> wasn't. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying. It's weird to me that the the energy never changed. <laughs> um, uh, Tori Spelling as the main character in this movie. I've not seen her in much. Mm-hmm. I've seen. Yeah, her, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I've seen her in Scary Movie Two. Yeah. And I have seen her in Scream 3. Mm-hmm. 2. Yeah. Scream 2. Um, and the joke in Scream is, hey, what if they make a movie based on this? Who's going to play you, Sydney? And she goes, uh, with my luck, they'd get Tori Spelling. Right. The joke is, Tori Spelling is terrible. Yeah, and that she's in cheesy, bad movies like this. She'd, she'd done a number of TV movies. Okay, but the... Okay, so the joke is the the kinds of properties that she's in yes. are usually, but the joke itself is with my luck, Tori Spelling would play me. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah, she's not a well-respected actress. Right. So her in this movie, I was ready to give her the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, you know, she didn't write these lines. No. But she did say them the way she said them. <laughs> and uh, there's a line she has where she says to the evil boyfriend, who she doesn't know is evil yet, you will protect me from everyone and everything ever, right? <laughs> she's always like giggling. Yeah. She's got like a real giggle to her voice. And she's meant to be 17 or 18 something. And I feel. Isn't she? She's in college, right? Is she in college? college? I think they're in college. All right. Even older. Yeah. I feel like her energy is around 10 <laughs> or 11. <laughs> There's a lot of giggling going on. I don't remember, but that sounds right. And the dialogue itself. So th- there's a moment where she finally she's having enough of him because mm-hmm. he he like brought her to a cabin and he's trying to keep her and he's isolating from her from her friends, which yeah. big red flag. If if big. somebody in your life is telling you you don't need to see your family or friends, not good. You got you got something you got to deal with. Yes, here. So. Um, 
here's here's what happens when when Tori Spelling tries to deal with the situation. She goes, "You're pushing." And he goes, "You don't you don't love me. You don't love anything. You don't care about what I do for you." She goes, "I love everything you do. Look, I'm just trying to get it. I'm just now getting a sense of who I am." It just feels so impulsive. And then his response is, "I know I should be a little more hang loose." <laughs> But if I were to hold back how I feel about you, I'd explode. You don't want me to go climb a tower with a gun, do you? I remember that being a very common thing that like, oh, you're going to end up in a clock tower with a shotgun. Yeah. A thousand percent. Because that was was, a real thing that happened. It was common. 2021 brain is like, I know. That's not a cool thing to joke about. That's not good. You don't want me to climb a tower with a gun. I know. It's a very flippant Way to talk about something that was awful. Someone you know, casually uses the word gun with you. Yeah, no, never good. <laughs> I don't like that. No. But she goes, her response to that mm-hmm. horrific thing is, no, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want you to do that. <laughs> so she's pivoted in a line from you're pushing. Right. To she thinks it's cute. Pudding. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oof, oof. There's also a major uh, motivation scene here. Um, the moment that shows her and her mom bonding mm-hmm. is that her mom is trying to frost a cake and she's struggling to get good coverage because she's using her fingers. The mom keeps touching the cake with her nasty ass uncovered fingers. And then Tori Spelling walks up doing that? and is like, need a hand? The mom's like, oh, could you? And Tori Spelling grabs Does she use her fingers? Like oh. a frosting spreader. Yeah. And then we are treated to like 30 to 45 seconds of her coating the entire cake, getting perfect coverage. And they share a look that says, we help each other. <laughs> or is it a switching of roles sort of thing? I'm in the mother role. You're in the daughter role right, right now. I we're kind to, we're becoming equals. I used to be frosting. Now I'm fingers. Right. And now my daughter's the froster. Right. Wow. Wow. We've gone a long way. You know Life that, comes at you pretty fast. You know that meme of um, of Master Shredder walking with a baby Ninja Turtle? <laughs> no. And then it's reversed because Master Shredder's old and Ninja Turtle's jacked and he's helping him walk. <laughs> that meme, but it's here. Frosting yeah. and kids putting fingers on cake. Me helping my mom frost. She right. now puts her fingers on cake. The passage of time. Wow. It's all different now. Um, what what more do you have in oh. your notes? I'm curious to see what you think while you watch this movie. Okay, let me see. I'm gonna try to go to some interesting ones. I point. I said, "What the f?" A tuxed bike messenger rides up to her outside aerobics class to bring her roses. What a service! Do you yeah, remember that? I do remember. That's that. that guy's job. Uh huh. He's wearing a tux and he's on a bike and he delivers roses to her. I do remember that. It's- yeah. Quite something. Uh, the the movie is '90s in a weird way that is not like '90s nostalgia for me. Mm-hmm. It is more like a <laughs> the '90s alternate... of TV. The '90s of TV. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It's like you know some other world. It's like the Truman Show. Yeah, right. These would... people are from a different reality. Yes, I feel like a lot of. I mean, kind of all entertainment is like that. Right. But I do feel like a lot of '90s TV in particular has that kind of energy, where you understand that you're supposed to think that this is what life is like, right. but you just know it's not. Fully disconnected. And we just roll roll with it. Fully disconnected from the the reality. Um. I also noted when it seemed like her boyfriend really showed his hand to the mom in a big, big way. Um. The mom is at school looking for for Lorelai. Is that her name, Lorelai? L- Laurel, I think. Something like Laurel. That. Yeah, I, I must have. That must have been an autofill. But anyway. Yeah, Laurel. Okay. He says to the mom, "Laurel listens to me now." 
Yeah. Yikes. And then he says, Laurel and I are in love. We'd rather die than let you come between our love. And I wrote, oh, okay. Yikes. When they first (laughs) meet. Yeah. When they first meet, he like, there was a very uncomfortable moment (laughs) where... He went over to the, <laughs> he goes over to Laurel's house for dinner and he meets her mom and they they finish eating. Right. And then Tori Spelling goes, I'm gonna go make some coffee and leaves them to talk. Nah, that's her never... boyfriend and her boyfriend's mom on their like first meeting. Look, I know you can't babysit people like the whole time you have to go to the bathroom or something, but let's not have an intentional you guys get to know each other I sort know. of moment. And and so they're talking and the the mother is is talking to crazy guy, though she doesn't know he's he's a murderer yet. Right. She's like, "What do you do?" And he's taking an identity. He's taking a fake identity. Mm-hmm. His real name is Billy Jones. Um, but he's taking the identity of a man named Kevin. And so he is like, well, I work at this place and I'm really hoping that I can get Tori Spelling a job in that same building because then we'll never be apart. <laughs> like, uh-oh. It's a big red flag to the mom. And the mom goes, isn't that a little fast? What? I was like, even even the phrase like, isn't that a little fast or a little quick or whatever yeah. is like not even doing justice to like. You can't. You literally can't be apart. Right. So we can never be apart. I know the phrase we need to talk about Kevin comes up in this movie too is that right yes which is kind of a fun there's a book in a movie called we need to yeah, talk about that's Kevin. right um i noticed apparently some very uh heavy-handed foreshadowing i don't know if you picked up on this maybe the blurriness didn't drive it on home but at one point when they're in the cabin the camera goes to a knocked over glass of wine it pans over to the yeah. fire goes back to the wine and back to the fire yes i wonder if the cabin's gonna burn down i know i there there <laughs> did it uh, I don't remember. No, I don't think it did. Oh. Well, I think it seemed it, like it was going to. It just seemed like they needed to film stuff, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like again, that cake spreading scene. Right. Why so long? It just so kind of kept going, just kind of went on for a while. I must have thought it was illustrating a point or they needed to fill time. The, the timing in this movie was absolutely baffling. <laughs> uh, I'm going to jump to the end. Okay. It all culminates with, uh, first of all, the mom figures out where they are because her car breaks down at the same time theirs does. Mm-hmm. And the guy from AAA is like, oh, you have another car that broke down. Yeah. And she's able to ask where. Thank God, Thank right? Thank God they had simultaneous, you know, pop tires or whatever. Thank God. So anyway, they, they end up at a lake where Tori Spelling goes out on the water trying to run away from Billy and he pops out of the water like Jason Voorhees. Mm-hmm. which I feel is intentional. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I, I vaguely remember thinking that. So they're fighting. She manages to get away with her mom for like a few seconds. And then they do like a, a, a you know, a two-faced sort of uh, trick where Tori Spelling and her mom are standing together while evil Billy mm-hmm. is is blocking their way off the pier. And Tori Spelling is like, Take her, take my mother. She's the one that tried to oh, stop yeah, us right. yeah, yeah, yeah. from being together. And he's like, you still love me? Right. And she goes, yes. And then she pushes her mom out of the way because he's distracted, right. thinking that they'll kill her mom together. Yes. Pushes her mom out of the way. She grabs an orange. She smashes him over the head with it, and he falls into the water. And her mom. I guess she also likes a fat, a flat murder tool. Yeah, a lot of flat, wide mm-hmm. surface bludgeonings. Mm. Fascinating. Yes. So she and her mom run away from the water a little bit. And they, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I, I give, you got to give movies their, their leeway. So in reality, you don't, you just don't stop running. You just mm-hmm. go and get in a car and drive away. Who cares? Right. But they run, get on land and then look back to see if he'll come back after them or something. And there's nothing to show that he's gone because mm-hmm. all he did was fall into the water. Yeah, right. So they, 
cut to to mom and Tori spelling look, and then cut to the water and there's nothing happening. Cut back to them still looking at it. Cut back to the water. Still just kind of thinking, mm-hmm. looking at it. Maybe it'll come out. Maybe he's, I don't know. Cut back to them. Cut back to the water. Cut back to them. And then they go, it's over. <laughs> they have this moment of like supreme awareness. <laughs> now it's done yeah okay yeah all right he could could be i could feel that last bubble rising he might come back he might come back Mm, i don't have any reason to think that anything's different but oh what a relief it's over it's like when you're holding an oreo under the milk and you see that last bubble come up it's over it's time to eat the oreo now yes that's also my favorite metaphor for drowning yes yes um but it's just like an arbitrary editing Uh uh-huh Move to say we're safe. There's nothing to think you're safe. Right. Nothing suggests that right. he's not just going to pop up behind you somehow. Exactly. Odd choices all over this thing. Even mm-hmm. Lachlan Monroe, who I was happy to see. Yes. Lachlan Monroe, if, if, if you happen to not know who we're talking about. First of all, most recently, he has played Betty's dad on Riverdale. Okay. But William and I know him and love him from the genuinely fantastic movie Dead Man on Campus. The severely underrated Dead Man on Campus. It is so funny. It is very funny. Recommend. Yes. Uh, but so in this movie, he shows up. He's he's Kevin. He's who evil guy stole his identity. Right. Now evil guy's got to get rid of him because mm-hmm. he can't have his yeah. the truth coming out that he's not Kevin. So he he visits Lachlan Monroe's like, oh, hey, bro. Hey, come on in. Let's talk for a while. Hey, what's up with that chick, Laurel? You guys been like goofing around, whatever. And then Lachlan Monroe goes to take a shower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And, you know, so. So evil guy walks into the bathroom too. Right. Lachlan Monroe's just in there showering. He's pulled the curtain, but he's just taking a shower and they're just chatting. I guess I wonder if this is some holdover from like locker room jock culture. Is it supposed to take place in a locker room, but they got a hotel room? <laughs> right? Like it's it's puzzling. They're just like, or I don't know, just still do it. Are are some dudes just really used to showering around other dudes to the point where it's just like whatever. Like well, it's so commonplace. Kevin has no you know, spatial awareness. Right. He didn't mind his surroundings and he's not prepared because he also goes, Hey man, could you hand me the shampoo? <laughs> like he didn't even bring shampoo. Like he would have had to have like gotten in the shower, gotten all wet. Right. Then have to do that thing where you're he's all wet. Screwed. And you step out of the shower. I hate having to do that. And you don't want to grab your towel because that'll ruin the towel you're going right. to need later. So you just drip all over the floor. Oh, what then, a mess. So thank God the crazy guy is here and he can pass him the shampoo. Truly. But he also grabs the toilet tank lid and bludgeons him to death. Right, right. Speaking of people being all wet, did you notice that Tori Spelling could hardly have been wearing heavier clothes to be getting dunked in a lake in. I feel like she would have sunk like a stone. I wrote down that she was wearing a huge sweater over a button down jeans and sneaks. Is that right? So she's wearing layers when she's in that lake. Well, I do think this was filmed in Canada. I do think Uh it was quite cold. Quite cold, but still, I mean, when she's feeling, if she had the presence of mind, taking off one of those layers probably would have done her good. But it is funny that you should mention buttons because (laughs) as this movie ended, uh, YouTube autoplay just started a new movie called War of the Buttons. Oh, um, what the hell is that? I don't know. I turned it right off. Okay, very um, good. Are you <laughs> aware of the, I don't even know what, what you would call it. I've never seen it. The reboot remake thing that James Franco made. I looked into it a little bit. Okay. I looked into it a little bit. So uh, there was a there was a remake 
supposedly. I think it has nothing to do with the movie at all. That yeah. is correct. I, uh, from looking into it, it seems that Lifetime came to James Franco, or maybe they were already talking about things together, and they said, hey, we are thinking of rebooting or remaking Mother May I Sleep With Danger. I think he was in his I'm on General Hospital phase when this happened. Oh, yeah. I forgot he did that. So I feel like he pursued this as some sort of like weird, artsy thing. Okay. So they said, we're thinking of remaking Mother May I Sleep With Danger. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he's he didn't know what it was. What's that? So he read about it and he was like, ah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to make this. But, I, you know, I think I want to change up a few things. Can we make it a, uh, quote, lesbian vampire film? Right. And so that's what it is. The the more recent remake, which Tori Spelling and the, the evil guy yeah. are in, not as the same characters, right. is about vampires. Yeah. I did watch a trailer. I did read a synopsis. Mm-hmm. Aside from the title, Mother May I Sleep With Danger, there are no, no, no similarities whatsoever. No, and I've it done seems the same. To, to mainly be about the complicated uh, uh, vampire habit of I'm going to convert you or I'm going to kill you and I'll turn you into, but I won't turn you into a vampire or I'll, I'll turn you into a vampire, but not her. Mm-hmm. Like the whole movie, the synopsis on Wikipedia is all like, and then Ginny turns Megan into a vampire, but Megan doesn't fully turn. She turns, but then, but then later on, uh, Jennifer uh, does turn. Oy. And you're like, I don't, I don't even know what's going on. James Franco is on the poster. He and mm-hmm. Tori Spelling have their faces half submerged in like a lake of blood. Yes. But he's not the main character. Right. He plays, he's credited as like play director. Mm-hmm. I think he has a cameo. And on the poster, it says, from the mind of James Franco. Right. So they advertise the movie because of his involvement. And you think of James Franco as a performer. He is not one of the main characters of this thing. Right. Which is weird. It's a weird dude. It's all weird. Yes. Speaking of weird, there is one piece of IMDb trivia for the the original, the one that we're primarily Mm -hmm. concerned with here. I'm very concerned with it. The one piece of trivia. During the early stages of filming, Tori Spelling was bitten quite severely by a tame pangolin being used in an adjacent production. What the hell's a pangolin? A pangolin is believed to be one of the creatures that uh, kicked off the entire COVID-19 global pandemic. Oh, my God. And now it's got me wondering if we've got COVID origins right here in Mother May I Sleep With Danger with Tori Spelling as Patient Zero. Okay. She was bitten by a tame pangolin. Go with me here. Yes, Do I'm you ready. know that a few years ago, Tori Spelling fell onto a hibachi grill? <laughs> Suing the hibachi place. I don't want to shock you. I had no idea about this. I don't know why people didn't tell me. Okay. Well, talk about the spread of droplets. So maybe she had been carrying COVID from this pangolin, from Mother May Sleep with Danger for all this time. She falls onto the hibachi grill. They don't clean it properly because they don't know just how strident you have to be yet. Mm. Could that have been the inciting incident for the wider spread of COVID-19? Yes. It, yes. It, is, it just is. It just it's plain a fact. is. Yeah, absolutely. She was bitten by a tame pangolin in 1996, mm-hmm. and the virus lay dormant yeah. until suddenly it overwhelmed her and she fell on a hibachi grill. Yep. She sued... They cleaned up, but not that well, and then served 
hibachi style food on the very surface where a pangolin infected Tori Spelling had once lain. This is what I am proposing. This is why I have to wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Tori Spelling. Although, uh oh, I'm getting I'm, this just in. Uh, yeah. What's that? Okay. I'm getting I'm getting word from Thrillist who did that behind the scenes article. They've got a quote from Tori Spelling here saying, let me get this right. I was not bit by an animal. I have no idea where that story came from. No idea. <laughs> Sorry, I have an update on that pangolin IMDb trivia from Mother May I Sleep with Danger. That is so weird. So is it just another gerbil? Yeah, Richard Gere story. Just another gerbil. Yeah. That, the, that's a shorthand for another outlandish room. Right. Just another just gerbil. Another gerbil. Just another gerbil. I have, uh, the last thing I want to share with you, Kristen, I've got two reviews. Do you have anything else that you want to say? No, I would say seek this out and see what you think. Uh, really? Yes. Yes, why not? I really like this movie. It's fun. Okay. Obviously. What do you mean, really? Uh, I don't know. Well, let's see what other people had to say. Okay. Desiree Billman on Amazon said, hold on to your seat. It's a bumpy road. I chose this rating of five out of five. (laughs) (laughs) It's usually hold on to your seat for a bumpy ride. Hold on to your seat. It's a bumpy road. It's really funny. <laughs> it's close. <Yeah. laughs> um, this movie was so good that after watching it the first time, you just want to watch it over and over again. Mm. Kristen's a pseudonym, by the way. Yeah. Nom de plume is Desiree Billman. <laughs> this film is about a young man who will stop at nothing until he gets what he wants. And I do mean anything. The guy played by Ivan Sergei is so sick and twisted that he is mentally deranged. <laughs> Once he starts dating Laurel, he treats her like a possession and not a person. This movie was so good that you love her, but you hate him so much that during the entire movie, you want to kill him, but you never do. See it. Five out of five stars. By the way, that was written in all caps. You want to kill him. You could feel it. You want to kill him, but you never do. Of course you don't. And uh, the other review that I've got is from Vine Voice. This is also a five out of five. I've somewhat truncated this review to just the relevant bits. Okay. This is the best movie ever to watch when you're deliriously ill. The ludicrous plot twists make sense when you're in the throes of Herxheimer. Oh. A Herxheimer reaction. In fact, the movie is so improved by it that it's just not as fun to watch when you're feeling well. It's up to Laurel's mom, Jessica, to save the day. Because it just is. That part made more sense during the fever. Wow. Five out of five. Wow. Where did you find these reviews? It's on Amazon. (laughs) So can you buy the movie? Is that the deal? You could like buy the DVD or something? You can get it on DVD. Uh Amazon Instant Video just says it's not available. Maybe they lost rights recently. There's also a double pack of both Mm. Mother May I Sleep With Danger movies and the reviews are a combination of the for each movie right some people when i was reading reviews for this were like i love it and i love vampires (laughs) it's like okay (laughs) next one find a good one here uh but there you go mother may i sleep with danger i didn't i did you know i didn't hate it okay i can recognize particularly of the era i think it's important to to treat movies oh yes with respect of understanding where they came from it's the mid '90s, and you're watching something on television. Yep. Right. And for that, I still found some of the production stuff to be kind of weird because mm-hmm. you're right. Just like shooting a bottle of wine spilled over than a fire, 
Back to the wine for a while. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, put your fingers in the frosting. Take two. Right. Or, you know, whatever. Uh, it's 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 fine. Mhm. I've seen I've seen worse. Take that word fine. Uh-huh. Take out the i and the e. Put the word put the letter u in there. It's fun, not fine. Take out the n and the e? I said the i and the e. Oh, okay. Yeah. I couldn't figure out the word math there. Fun. It's a fun movie. It's not good. I guess it is a so bad it's good sort of thing. I I love it. Head headbutted my microphone. <laughs> I apologize. It's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. And check out Friends Forever while you're at it on YouTube. No. Um, all right, everybody. Well, okay. We're going to move on and talk about arguably like an art house zombie film now, yes. which is a pretty broad pivot. Yes, it, def- it definitely is. This is quite a mismatch. Yes, but... and I'm very curious to find out what you thought about Pontypool because, uh, spoiler alert, it's personally probably one of my favorite, probably one of my favorite horror movies. I don't think I've seen it in a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that in just a second. That's because right. first, we want to remind everybody out there that Guide to the Unknown has a bunch of stuff going on outside of this particular podcast. We've got an entire archive of shows that we've done where we've talked about the true stories behind movies like The Conjuring. We have talked about creatures from folklore and given the origins of them. Um, and we have talked a lot of pop culture in the past, too. So if you're enjoying yeah. this episode, you're probably going to enjoy some stuff that that is on the, the, you know, the, the back part of the feed. Make sure that you subscribe to Guide to the Unknown on Apple. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We've got a YouTube version that you can watch on youtube.com slash talkbomb. And we've got so much more that you can find at the home of Guide to the Unknown, gttupod.com. That's right. That will bring you to our Patreon, which you can also access by just going to patreon.com slash gttupod. And if you donate $4 or more per month, you help keep the show going. It will go on as long as there are people to support it. And thank you so, so much to the people who support us already. And when you do that in exchange, we give you cool bonus. Bonuses. So there's a whole secret podcast called the Netherworld Dispatch that comes out monthly on the 13th of every month that you get access to as soon as you become a patron. We also do monthly live streams. There are blog posts and videos that go up on the Patreon every once in a while. And we have a Discord channel that's just for patrons of Guides the Unknown, which is basically like a bunch of chat rooms that are divided up into different categories and there are people every single day just talking about cool stuff in there it just has a life of its own yes yes it's really really awesome the connective tissue is it's all people that listen to or watch guide to the unknown right but yeah you can pop into one chat room be talking about movies then hop over into books be talking about just completely off topic things Mm -hmm. video games chat about the latest episode of this podcast yeah share pictures of yourself share pictures of your pets it's really nice and see other people's too obviously yeah Yeah. The, the, the honestly the community around this show like they they're all genuinely like nice oh, people. Oh yeah, big, 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 big time. Which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, check that out. That's all it through uh, patreon.com slash gttupod. Follow at gttupod on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. And so you can stay up to date with new releases of the well, show. We don't have a Snapchat. I thought you said we do have a Snapchat. We have TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snapchat <laughs> passe. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. For all I know, I'm not cool enough for Snapchat. I have no idea. But I recently made us a TikTok. I'm on. I'm on plip plop. <laughs> anyway, flip flop. Oh no! I think I'm the only one there. That's even worse. Yeah, I'm alone. 
Help me. <laughs> so anyway, however you get Guide to the Unknown, have a good time with us. Yes, please. All right. Okay, let's talk about Pontypool. Pontypool. I did like Pontypool. Okay, I am very thrilled to hear you say that. Yes, I liked Pontypool quite a bit. Wonderful. I was confused by Pontypool, William. It made yes. me feel stupid. No, 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 no. I don't. Can I say I was confused by Pontypool as well? I was I, very confused. Still today, I don't have a good grasp of what it all means or yeah. how how the 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 zombie virus functions by the way right. spoilers for pontypool i yes. think that you know mother may sleep with danger there's a formula that you know going into mm-hmm. it pontypool defies categorization yes i can tell you it's a zombie movie mm-hmm. that doesn't do it justice no and i went in pretty clean yeah. i did watch the trailer beforehand but even the trailer doesn't it's not like a lot of trailers today where they kind of tell you the entire layout of a movie yes um it, it's still a little bit vague and i think that's kind of a good way to go into it so if you haven't seen it and you would like to going clean then maybe come back to this later i think so the non-spoiler premise just Mm -hmm. to whet your appetite because i really would advise you pause this podcast go watch it and come back so that you can enjoy us spoiling it and and not worry about having it ruined it is only available on apple tv is that right the only place to watch it oh my gosh that's that's pretty wild yep it's worth tracking it down yes and shutter will try to fool you no no disrespect to shutter but if you google then it'll say like watch pontypool on shutter so i signed up for shutter it's not there Mm. i've seen netflix do that before too where maybe they had it in their catalog at one point and there's still a page there or something well that's so it's not entirely uncommon but just so you know if you're listening to this and you google it you're like oh great it's on shutter i have that it's actually not yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, all these streaming platforms get different rights at different times. Yeah. Or they lose rights, whatever. So maybe it'll, it'll pop back on yeah. sometime. I would say it's worth tracking down how, you know, I you got to watch this movie. I but so too. the non-spoiler premise, um, in a small town in Canada, there is a morning shock jock radio host who's new to town. Mm-hmm. He's been run out of his last station because he was too controversial, and so he's landed here doing the local news for this teeny, sleepy town. It is so early in the morning, it's still dark out, and it is a snowy Canadian town. Everything is very quiet, and he is delivering the news and starting to realize that the reports of mobs that are assembling in town may be mobs of zombies. Yeah. That is the non-spoiler synopsis. It all takes off from there. My personal love of audio drama, radio broadcasts, I think is something that carries me into this movie where I love seeing the broadcasting. I love seeing the producers running around trying to send notes to the shock jock. I love the shock jock having to perform and do his, his, you know, controversial character on top of everything that's happening. Um, It's very, very appealing. It's very playful and it gets so weird. Mm -hmm. We're going to struggle to adequately describe it for the remainder of this episode. So go watch it. Yep. We're going to spoil it now. Yeah. I totally recommend it. Yes. Um, so God, where do you even start? I know. Why don't we start? Can can we just start? Yeah, go for it. Whatever. Right there. I just want to mm-hmm. get into the the uh, uh, some more of these characters. Yeah. So um, our our main character is a cowboy style morning shock jock. Mm-hmm. I viewed him in the the vein of a Don Imus. I think he kind of is supposed to look like Imus a little bit. I don't know if it's just the cowboy hat, right? But so I guess he's sort of a mixture of Imus and Howard Stern. Yeah, I think so because he's also deliberately, deliberately playing up 
things that are controversial that will upset people in town because he knows right. that they will then pay attention. So it's nonsense. Yeah. He's he's broadcasting fake nonsense. Mm-hmm. And his producers and his team there in the studio are just trying to do their job. Right. They're trying to kind of wrangle him in. And so they're in his ear while he's talking to the audience and the audience can't hear him being like, why are you saying that? You know, like, just calm it down. You don't need to rile them up. And he's telling them, if you piss them off, then they tell their brother about this awful radio show. And all of a sudden, he is a listener. And right. he tells his friends. And he's like, this is how you get you build an audience. Yes. And they're like, ugh. I think that all of those trappings are, are fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that I like about The Muppet Show. It's one of the things I like about 30 Rock. Yeah. I like seeing the behind-the-scenes people and the, you know, in-front-of-the-curtain people. Yes. Um, something that I loved about it that I noticed and started kind of tracking is that you are almost always not 100% of the time, but way more of the time than in a lot of other movies, you are hearing about what's happening and and or removed from it as opposed to like being in the mess. Yes. So for at least the first half of the movie, we are in just the radio station with just the dude and his two producers hearing outside reports from people who are calling in about the zombie outbreak that's happening. And even later when like, so for example, again, spoiler alert, I'll stop saying it now, but one of the people, one of the producers starts to turn. I noticed that the, you know, the our main characters are inside the sound booth and they leave the girl who's turning on the outside. So we're still kind of removed. We're seeing her turn through glass. Yeah. We're not out there with her. Right. We are for a minute, but not for the most part. And um, I... I love that. I think it's so cool. Even when somebody else turns, they leave him in a room and go elsewhere. You're right. You're kind of not really with the action. And I felt like it was almost like a perfect movie for me in that way, because then I didn't have to really dwell in the gnarliness and like, it's not really a gory movie, but like semi There's goriness. It's a zombie movie. So you get zombie type stuff. Right. And like, I didn't have to dwell in that yes, because we're always at a remove from it. And I thought that was really unique and really cool. And I feel like it had to be deliberate. There's a, it's funny. There, there's a quality to this movie that, um, I'm going to compare it to Kevin Smith's clerks Mm -hmm. in that, um, most of the movie is people just sitting around talking. Yeah. And even when things are like going haywire, they're still chatting about what could this possibly be and and looking at it and trying to make sense of it. It is just mostly just talking. It's very still. Yeah. It's like a play, right? Yeah. Um, Like uh, it's not the most cinematic, you know, Mm -hmm. there are no, there aren't like a lot of like sweeping action shots or anything like that. It is a thoughtful, a thoughtful movie. Yeah. It's all about put sit the camera down basically mm-hmm. and let's just hear them talk. Definitely. And even like even in some actiony parts they still don't put you in the action. So there's a part where they're having to stomp a zombie girl to death. Yeah. And we don't even see that happen. We just have them from like shoulders up doing it. Like it's always at this remove and I That's wonder if that was a way of playing with the idea of radio. Maybe. And that it could also be budget. I, I think that definitely. this is this movie. I think Pontypool is like a wonderful marriage of, mm-hmm. of of the so theme theme in in a movie is like it's very important. Mm-hmm. If and like a properly I think structured theme in a movie is is endemic to 
everything about that movie. So Stephen McCaddy plays the the controversial radio host, and his whole thing is the power of words. Right. I say something, and it results in, you know, major outcry. Right. Um, and I, I'm all about words so much so that I don't even see who I'm speaking to. Mm-hmm. And the people that are listening to me, they cannot see me either. It is radio. It is all removed. And when I'm hearing about the world ending up in disarray that I'm sending my words out to, I can only hear about it. I do not see any of the things happening out there. I'm told by our eye in the sky. Right. In the, you know, Channel 2 chopper. Right. Saying that there's a mob out there. Which is not a chopper. It's a guy who's in a car who uses chopper sound effects. Because they don't have a budget for yeah. that. Yeah. So he's more vulnerable than you think. Right. But anyway, it's the power of words. And the the big thing that we haven't mentioned is that these zombies are not a viral infection. You don't become a zombie because of a bite mm-hmm. or anything you've ever seen before. The best way I can possibly describe it is you're infected through language. I know, and I don't really get it. Neither do I. I don't understand. Neither like, do I. So people who are infected will all of a sudden just start repeating a word. And it's not a certain word. It'll, you see you see firsthand two people get infected. One of the producers in the studio and then this doctor guy who like snuck in through a window to escape the crowds. You see both of them get infected and they both just start repeating a random word that had been in conversation. Right. So I don't get it. What about the quality of a certain word all of a sudden gets in their head there's some information from behind the scenes that i can i can pull to mm-hmm. but just to wrap up what i'm saying about like sort of like the theme of of all of this is that i think that a lot of this is about specifically chat it's about talk it's mm-hmm. not about look and so i think the fact that the movie may or may not have had a budget that would have allowed them to pan down and show them stomping on a zombie like Maybe if they had the budget for that, they still wouldn't show it Mm -hmm. because it's not about looking at all this stuff. It's about thinking about what it all means and verbalizing Mm -hmm. what's going on, trying to make sense of it, using your words. Yeah. But I kind of think maybe they didn't have the budget for it, so they couldn't show it. And that even improves it because it's even more on theme of that cold, distanced yeah. Somebody's just talking to a microphone and it's being broadcast. Yeah, it's a happy accident. Yeah. It's all it all it's lightning. Mm-hmm. It's like lightning in a bottle. All these things just work together and create a vibe where it's about the power of speech and language and yeah. what it makes people do. And I I agree with you. I don't understand mm-hmm. how people are turned into zombies via language. There are moments in the movie where it is uh, theorized that it is only the English language. Right. That is carrying this uh, this curse, this virus. Uh, they, they never defined it so much to say as like, you know, a demonic origin or anything. Yeah. It's almost like a fluke. I, it's almost like a cheat code. Yeah. It's just like, uh, it's like a computer virus more than a- Kind uh, of. Yeah, it's like a, a biological bug. virus. Yeah. A bug that spread to everybody. Exactly. But so uh, one of the things that um, is said by um, some people here, I have this. This is from the, the Wikipedia for the movie. Um, the director of the movie, uh, Bruce McDonald, described the virus as having three stages. Quote, the first stage is you might begin to repeat a word. Something gets stuck. Mm-hmm. And usually it's words that are terms of endearment, like sweetheart right. or honey. So th- those words, terms of endearment, have emotional components components to them. You are looking at someone and referring to them in a way that's not just like, hey, you mm-hmm. hey 
Kristen. It's like, hey, sis. Right. Sis is fun. It's it's uh, it it's obvious. I mean, familiarity, literally. Mm-hmm. But like, is it about the emotionality there? I don't know. Let's continue with the quote. Um, the second stage is your language becomes scrambled and you can't express yourself properly. So now the characters have stopped being like, honey, 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 and started going more like, it's there. It's not, it, well, it's on the, it's over there. It's not there. And people are like, what are you talking about? And they can't. Yeah. They're almost acting as if they are speaking, like the facial expressions of the people infected at this stage are like, what do you mean you can't understand me? Right. I'm t- I'm saying this sentence perfectly, but it's coming out totally jarbled. Com- jarbled. Jarbled. Just like that. <laughs> jarbled. Yeah. That's a gerbil. That's a gerbil. Uh, The third stage is that you become so distraught at your condition, the only way out of the situation you feel as an infected person is to try and chew your way through the mouth of another person. Oh! And so that brings us to classic zombie stuff of biting and chewing and ripping and tearing and killing. I don't feel that was made clear in the movie. Not made clear in the movie. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, language. I love the through language the of this. mouth of another person. You have to Ooh. try to chew your way through the right. mouth of another person, which to me also speaks yeah. to some form of resentment. Yeah, like There's an emotionality. Can... My problem is language. My problem is not being able to adequately express myself and mm-hmm. I resent you for not getting it mm-hmm. and I hate the way you express yourself because it's not the same same as me. I'm going right. to chew my way out through your mouth. Yeah, and so I'm going to mess up both of our expressions. I'm going to ruin us. Yeah. Language is going to kill us. Right. Um, which I think is wild. McDonald yeah. also stressed that the victims of the virus detailed in the film are not zombies, but instead referred to them as conversationalists, hmm. which I think is, is kind of amusing. Yeah. Bordering on, you know. A little precious. A little precious. Yeah. But, I, but I like it. Yeah. Cool. Man. So... Yeah, I so I wrote and this what you just said helped that because I didn't really get it, I didn't totally understand what it's a comment on. I feel like the movie smacks of something yes. that is a larger comment and an allegory or a metaphor for something. And so I was kind of struggling with that, and then I guess I came around to that losing understanding of the meaning of a word takes away its power because actually so there are two producers, one of them fully turns over and we'll just call them zombies for the purpose of it um turns over and dies like Mm -hmm. kills herself basically she's like smashing her head against a wall and then another of the producers who's kind of like a main character ish starts to turn and they're able to like beat it back which i think is awesome i love that so she starts repeating a word and somehow stephen mccaddy has realized that you need to not understand the meaning of a word because if sincerity in a word like honey or sweetheart or whatever is what kicks off the virus then like misunderstanding a word would be the opposite and almost be like a vaccine robbing a word of its meaning right so robs he starts, the virus of its power she's saying the word kill because it was something they were saying I think. And then he's like, kill means kiss. Kill just means kiss. Kill is the word kiss. That's what that word means. And just like nonsensical. It's not even the opposite of the word kill. It's just like totally random. And she starts to come back because she's thinking about that and losing the meaning of the word. Um, So like I said, so losing the understanding of the meaning of a word takes away its power. So when words have too much power, they're deadly. Is that what's happening? Maybe. I mean, in that moment, very literally, I think it is 
that the opposite of fixation, mm-hmm. you're stuck on a word, mm-hmm. kill, kill, kill. The opposite of being focused on one teeny tiny thing is right. to confuse and throw everything, mm-hmm. right? Like, so so rob it of meaning, kill is kiss. Right. Uh, up, let's go around the big boy, <laughs> like whatever. There are George Carlin books where he, he, he was obsessed with trying to write things that nobody's ever said before. Yeah. So it was like, up comes around another one. Here comes the big boy. Like, he's like, nobody's ever said that before. I'm the first person to ever say that. Right. It's stuff like that where it's just like randomness, I think, is the enemy of fixation on a word. So that's what helps yeah. her literally in that moment. But I there's a moment at the end of the movie where um, Stephen McHattie, the broadcaster, is now speaking out to the world. Right. And one of the the final things that he lands on as he's, you know, spieling out all of this insane kind of hilarious. He's doing that George Carlin thing that Will was just talking about where he's just saying kind of random things that wouldn't be a sentence anybody he's would ever have it rip. cause to say. He's going wild to the degree that you start to think he's lost it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things that he lands on is we were never making sense. Yeah. And I think that might be part of the the point. I think that that organization and language allows us to group right and decide on people who disagree with our fixated points yeah and we can go kill them now mm-hmm. i think we're living in a world where we all have have organized into camps of people that disagree with each other and we're going to kill each other yeah um and so uh chaos is the is the way to fix it it's like a joker type yeah type fix right like yeah. set, set it all on fire who cares yeah so right. i think it's a little nihilistic i, I think the movie but mm-hmm. i also think that there's something beautiful about about the the fix to all of this of like embracing madness yeah because stephen mccaddy as well as a controversial shock jock has a very particular goal of offending people. Yeah. He's using language to achieve something specific. And now he's using language. I guess maybe at the end, he's still trying to achieve something specific, which is to help people. But instead of offending people, Mm -hmm. his goal is to save everyone. Yeah. And so like he turns a corner and becomes like a a being of good Mm -hmm. in a way. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, language and disconnecting your anybody that's like listened to podcasts that I've done even outside of guide to the unknown a book club schmuck club like if you go to early stuff like will and bobby know everything one of the things that i became very proud of is um if if like i can i have the ability to disconnect my brain from my mouth mm-hmm. i can just talk sometimes and i will be surprised by what i said mm-hmm. and i i love the quality in this movie of embracing that as a superpower. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think it's 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 intellectual and it's heady and it's artsy, but it's not at mm-hmm. the same time. Yeah, it definitely is all those things, but it didn't feel cloying yeah. like a movie that you might describe that way sometimes does. I know. It's a hard movie to describe. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. I, I really liked it. Um, there are some like kind of subtle like little piecemeal things i want to mention um it's not a big deal but i noticed that at one point before really like the town is thrown into chaos with the zombies that he throws to a clip of somebody named constable uh, constable eng and so i assume that's supposed to be an asian person persian person and i appreciated that oh okay i imagine spelled ng sure perhaps and i appreciate 
that kind of like just throw away diversity. Not a really big deal, but it's just the constable. Just part of our world. Right, totally. The doctor who comes in, um, his last name is Menendez and he has an accent. Yep. I also appreciate that. Just part of the world. And then something that I could be wrong about, but they it's two things that jumped out to me that made me think that the creators of this movie kind of have uh, a familiarity with like occult sort of stuff. So they talk about how the zombies have broken into a place called the golden dawn facility. And obviously, and it's a, it's a nursing home. And obviously that could just be like a nice, like a golden dawn thing, but also the golden dawn was the name of an organization that was into occult studies. um, The hermetic order of the golden dawn that Aleister Crowley was involved in. That's interesting. So that jumped out at me. And also, one of the most unsettling parts of the movie was when their man on the street who works at the radio station calls in and he tells them that, and it's such a small town that it seems like there's the vibe that everybody knows everybody. So yes. they're like, this isn't the name, but Mary Smith's boy, something has happened to him. And this, they say like her oldest son, and they say he's a big teenager. And they say, listen to this audio of the sound he's making. And it's like baby voice. Yeah. Like truly the sound of a baby kind of like babbling it's, or something. I, I think that there, there are genuinely moments in this movie that are among the scariest things I've ever seen in a movie. That, and that, that's one of them. That is very unsettling. Yeah. And also, there's this author named John Keel. So he's the guy who wrote the Mothman Prophecies, and he's written some other things. And um, I learned that he wrote about this in one of his books from the documentary series Hellier that I've talked about on the show before. But apparently, during times of what they call high strangeness, where they're just like, Things that it, high strangers can encapsulate everything ghosts, UFOs, whatever, just things that aren't normal. Um, that two prevalent sounds that are heard during times of high strangeness are the sound of a baby crying and the sound of a car door slamming, oh, which is very weird. That's odd. And so the one idea is natural and one is man-made i know it's it's very weird but that's what people say that they hear before xyz happened okay and so the idea of the sound of a baby voice mixed into all of this made me think of that right it's it's kicking off yeah um yeah the the even even mentioning that the the fact that we're following our characters that work in a radio station and they're hearing voices from outside that they're correspondent their eye in the sky who's really sitting in a car on a hill right it's all audio. All the right. horror there is sound design. Mm-hmm. And sound design is part of my work. Yeah. And I, I respect it and I love it. And hearing it here and watching a movie where the point is to look into Stephen McHattie's eyes mm-hmm. as he and listens. And he is great. Isn't he wonderful? I loved him. I loved him. Yep. Uh, you look into his eyes and, and you see... He's not making a sound. He doesn't say anything, but you're watching him listen and process it all. Mm-hmm. And you're processing what you're listening to, too. And you're imagining what this looks like as the eye in the sky is now running right. and trapped in a silo. And that boy is there and he's making a sound. I can lean a little bit closer. Oh, no, don't get close to him. Like the the horror there is real. Oh, yeah. And again, is it some of it might be budgetary some of it might be scripted mm-hmm. right like we're talking about a radio station so yeah. obviously things are going to be heard but not seen, seen yeah. but also if there were production woes and i don't know if they were but if they didn't have the budget then that means that a happenstance of need to only have it take place over the radio mm-hmm. plays perfectly into the very intentional theme 
of language only. Yeah. And so that, again, is what I mean by lightning in a bottle. Like yeah. a production woe right. is a circumstance. I would You've say the circumstances are exactly perfect exactly. to also match up with a theme. I've got terrible news for you. We can't film that. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. Well, I guess we'll do it this way. And the way you do it is perfect for what the movie's about. I love that sort of thing. Yeah, I do too. The last thing that I want to bring up is appropriately the post credit scene. Yes, I was going to ask you if you if you had seen it. I did. What do you think the deal is? So all of a sudden the post credit scene, it is now switched to black and white. Mm-hmm. And it's like very stylized. And it looks like they are maybe somewhere in Asia just because of the background. They're right. kind of... Um, like paper screens behind them. They seem like they're sitting at a restaurant or a bar. And the other main character in the movie, um, the woman who was able to kind of reverse engineer her starting to turn, is wearing like a, a dress with a mandarin collar and stuff. And they're just talking and they don't even seem like themselves. What do you think the deal is? Uh, it's a very good question. I don't know. Um, I think that it might be part of, and they're speaking very, like, I would almost call it like super Tarantino. Yeah. It's super Tarantino-y. Yes. That's like the first thing I thought. I mean, he is wearing like a bolo tie Uh and stuff. It looks like something from like Kill Bill. It's like a noir. Yeah. You know, dream, Mm -hmm. nightmare. I I almost, you know, people have debated this. You can find people that are debating the, the purpose or the, the meaning here. Right. Um, for me personally, I think that it, it still stems from the idea of, of what is language anymore if you've decided it has no meaning. Mm-hmm. And are they traveling together and still managing to stay safe by right. speaking in lingo? Right. Or right. is this literally now the world doesn't really matter? Right. Maybe they're detached from their own sanity because they've gone through the mental math to say kill is kiss mm-hmm. so much that nothing makes sense anymore and they're yeah. not part of... like society truth yeah Yeah. they're not part of anything anymore that's what i think is probably the case like just nothing really means anything anymore so they're just totally different people now because they've just changed from what they were like right um but i also saw a theory that i thought was kind of fun um and i I saw it on movies.stackexchange.com and you can see it in the show notes but somebody said there is no connection it's a complete non sequitur it makes zero sense and that's the point get it it's supposed to inoculate the viewer against any possible mimetic infection they got from watching the film i like that which i think is very fun yeah i like that too yeah it's the it's the equivalent for the viewer Mm -hmm. of when the character is shouting over broadcast nonsense yeah so they're following up this thing that could have infected us with just a bunch of nonsense just to like clear it out for a us. A quick undo. Yes. Control Z. Right. What I can tell you is that the director, Bruce McDonald, and the the writer, who, by the way, this is based on a book, mm-hmm. a short story called Pontypool Changes Everything, amongst a bunch of other short stories. Tony Burgess wrote that book, wrote that screenplay for Pontypool. Um, last year, they put out a new movie together hmm. called Dreamland, starring Stephen McHattie. And my understanding, I've not seen this movie, my understanding is that it picks up a bit on that world, hmm. that post-credits world. Interesting. A lot more uh, stylized, noir, mm-hmm. uh, outrageous. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. I don't want to know anything about it before I see it, mm-hmm. almost. I have, like, off of watching Pontypool, I have so much 
trepidation yeah about seeing more Mm -hmm. from any of the people associated with this because i this movie to me is almost like i know perfect for how messy it is yeah messy and wonderful i loved it i could have sat just in that radio station hearing it all play out i actually half hoped that it was just gonna be the three of them in the radio station and we just listened to it i I and i'm sure some people wouldn't like that but i would i know i completely agree the um uh for a while, I was telling people that um, Pontypool might be like the perfect, even if you ignore the second half of the movie. Mm-hmm. I, I usually tell people, like, watch Pontypool. For the first half of the movie, it'll be the best zombie film you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. For the second half of the film, you won't know what's going on and you won't be able to tell if you love it or hate it. Yeah. And that's also not a good description. There's not really a great description yeah. here. Yeah. So uh, the first half of the movie, though, People in a room listening to the zombie virus break out and having to report it, make sense of it, and and deal with this situation. It's so unique. It's so unique. It's so, like, outside of, like, Night of the Living Dead, farmhouse, people just dealing with it as it comes. Mm -hmm. Dawn of the Dead, consumerism, we are in. We've got an abundance of resources all around us, and it's still horrible. Yeah. I think that this is the third perfect yeah. zombie story. I I've lo- never really loved Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Just about like the military. I don't either. Underground. Yeah. I- I've never really loved another one of these premises. I think I I think these are the three. Farmhouse, mall, radio station. Yeah. I've got another one in my head that I would love to make someday. Mm-hmm. But like, and I don't know if it would stand toe to toe with that. That's not what I'm saying. But the, these three things. Yeah. Like are perfect. And I'm not a zombie fan. Mm-hmm. I'm not like gaga over zombies. I don't watch Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. I love this. Yeah. Watching was... people have to figure this out and come to terms with it is perfect. Yeah. It was great. And then as it twists into the second half where it goes gonzo it takes you a long time to process that turn. Yes. I was really confused. I, oh, I was like, yeah. I just don't get it. I knew I wasn't really supposed to get it. So I didn't really feel stupid, stupid. But I was just like, I kind of like having a little bit more of a handle on what the hell's happening. I know. I, so I didn't love that. I agree. But... I, I'm not also, I don't usually go chasing after mm-hmm. like more sort of like abstracty yeah. stuff. Yeah. I'm not um, super arty. Yeah. But I... um. Uh, uh, having walked into this mm-hmm. and come across it, I, I I can't tell. Once I realized that you have to just sort of like, yeah, you just gotta put your hands up, yeah, roll with it and go with it. I couldn't have loved it more. Mm-hmm. Um, the the story that I've told before that I'll tell here just for the sake of capping off, like keeping it in the Pontypool realm, is when I watched this movie, a, a professor here, a, a Rutgers professor in town, uh, uh, recommended that I watch this movie, and um, uh. When I watched, I was I was live tweeting, watching it and saying all the stuff that I've been saying here. Of like, I, you know, I love it. I, I I can't tell. I don't hate it, but I'm very confused. I mm-hmm. can't tell if it's good or bad. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, like the in the moment throes of coming to terms with this movie right. is messy. And I was tweeting all of that kind of stuff, and somebody starts tweeting back, being like, "Yeah, it's it's weird, right?" And it's like, "Yeah, you." So yeah, what do you think this is? Like, isn't this crazy? Like, I can't tell if I hate it or not. Yeah. And I was tweeting back and forth with this person for a while, and then I finally clicked on their profile, and it was Tony Burgess, yep. <laughs> who wrote this screenplay and wrote the book on which it's based, and he was fully willing to engage with me struggling with mm-hmm. it, and I love that too. Yeah, that's great. And him as a creator dealing with somebody who's saying, "Maybe I hate the thing you've made," mm-hmm. and there's, I, I don't care. 
I, I've I've made stuff now and put it on the world and seen people love it or hate it. And even if I, I I kind of love my bad reviews, I genuinely do. But there is still a part of me that undeniably is like, oh, yeah, I wish you liked it. But I do I I do get a kick out of people enjoying it either way. I think that's probably what he was going through of like someone's really someone's really they're clicked engaged in. in it. Yeah. Yes. And it, I hope it didn't take a chunk out of him when I was speaking negatively because it wasn't me saying the movie's bad. It was my process of yeah. making sense of what I was seeing and trying to catch up. But it's a struggle. Yeah. It's a hard thing to come to terms with. And he was so game to just stick with me. That's awesome. I loved it. And I have so much respect. Yeah. I, I, I've got his books. I uh, I'm afraid. I'm like... I think that he deserves better than the attention that I can put into them uh-huh. at the drop of a hat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, uh, Pontypool Changes Everything is the kind of book that, like, I want a clear schedule and a clear mind. Right, right. Dreamland is a movie that I want to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so glad that you liked this. Yeah, I thought it was great. I liked it a lot. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Is there Fantastic. any, do you have anything else that you want to uh, no. say? No. That was it. You've said it all. You probably said too much. Fr- frankly, yes. The power of language. I, I wish I could just pull it back in my mouth. It might have been too much for you guys. Yeah, I think, oh man. So the other thing, the 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 one of the closing lines of we were never making sense mm-hmm. literally means that even in the beginning of the movie where there is no virus yet. Right. He's just spinning his wheels. He's mm-hmm. telling you the news, but who cares what the weather is? You can just go outside and know if you put a coat on or not. Yeah. You know what time it is roughly, mm-hmm. even if somebody on the radio doesn't tell you. Right. And he's trying to deliberately rile you up and upset you. Right. What was he doing? This is what we're doing day in, day out, every day. Yeah. Even everybody listening to this show right now, it's entertainment. It's discussion for you and me. We're making a show, but we're also mm-hmm. literally talking to each other about stuff that we've wanted totally. to say to each other. Like- well, what does it really amount to? Who cares? Yeah. We'll, we'll turn off these mics and then just go live different lives. Mm-hmm. This conversation is not going to influence what I have to do for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, well, it kind of does though. You might have had dinner a little bit earlier. Like it does. Everything does influence everything else. I guess that's true. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's just yeah. I, I the the but the not debate, a groundbreaking way. Of course, the debate of it all. Yeah. I guess is what I find to be very wonderful, and I've never seen a movie tackle. The meaning of language. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm i understanding it and interested in a little bit more talking it out with you. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Um, there's also, um, they released a, an alternate version of this movie as the broadcast. You oh, can that's cool. You can just listen to, and I, I could that's be- That's neat. I, I, I hope I'm remembering this correctly. I think it is just what gets broadcast by that radio station. Mm-hmm. They might they might break that wall and do some of the behind the scenes. Like, it might just be an audio drama of the right. events. I kind of think, I kind of think it might just be the broadcast. I don't that's know. That's cool. Go ch- track that down, too. I think they're yeah. they're like two sides of the same coin. They both have their their value. So that check that cool. out, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that brings us to the end yes. of this uh, film-heavy Guide to the Unknown. I love doing this. Yeah, me too. I I, I think that it's really fun to... I, I love talking about I'm movies. I would say, I love, talking, I love watching movies, and I love talking about movies. So this was fantastic. Let's do this again. And yeah. people out there, you know, there are plenty of movies that mm-hmm. we have not seen. So Kristen and I challenged each other just now. Right. Maybe we'll take some challenges yes, from you. Yes, by knows? all means, challenge us. Yeah, challenge us to watch a movie and chat about it. And yeah, make sense absolutely. Of it. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Mm-hmm. We will be back next week for more conversation about 
oddball spooky stuff. Who knows? Yeah. Hit up at GTTU pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to stay up to date with new shows, mm-hmm. new posts. GTTUpod.com is the home of all Guide to the Unknown, all of our previous episodes, links to Patreon, yeah. our patreon.com slash GTTUpod so you can get bonus shows. Like we said at the start of the show, we do have another uh, back-to-back movie debate yes Kristen I made watch gremlins mm-hmm. Kristen made me watch I know what you did last summer yep so we've we've done a couple of we've these like here. movie swaps which is fun so yep. go check and there are other out. movie reviews on patreon off the top of my head we have full reviews of Dr. Sleep and It Chapter 2 oh that's right mm-hmm. you're absolutely right about that yep. I forgot about that scream commentaries for all the scream movies yeah, yeah. oh my god I love talking about movies me too no. I love it um, alright you can also follow us online that's right I'm at Chillin' Kristen and I'm I'm at the Myth Traveler. So see you next time, everybody. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. Hey, you think there's a movie theater in the netherworld? I certainly hope so. Moo.